The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 86 of the MX Vice Show podcast, the only podcast that covers MXGP in depth every single week. And uh, this week we're coming off of the MXGP of Spain, held at Into Xandu. Another great race, another entertaining race, another interesting race. And there's plenty to talk about on, uh, on this very podcast. As always, we'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Moto Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK. Asterix knee braces and armor nutrition. The first part of the MX Vice show, this part right now, is presented by Fly Racing, who have redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high velocity crashes as well as rotational and low speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. That is the Fly Racing Formula helmet. Still relatively new on the market, but a helmet that has made waves across the globe, both at professional level and amateur level. It really is the perfect helmet for just about everyone. So I'd recommend you find your local Fly Racing dealer or visit Fly Racing's website or their social media channels. Learn some more about the Formula Helmet. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot of data. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of stuff behind the product. So it might be worth just looking into. And there you go. I think you've just found your next helmet. As mentioned, we're going to be breaking down the MXGP of Spain this week. Jeffrey Hurling's extended his series lead, but not in the most dominant way. It was actually quite a strange event for Hurlings, and we'll get into that. We'll get into that right now. I'm Lewis Phillips, your host, and with me is James Burfield. How's it going? Good, thanks, uh, Lewis. You missed a great opportunity there, uh, by the way, on the Fly Formula helmet, because you could have said, speaking of helmets, here's James Burfield. Thank you for that. How are you doing? No problem. Yeah, good. Yeah, good, mate. Yeah. Um, It was weird not being at a GP. I kind of settled in. You know, to GP life, and then then out again. So it was. uh, I only did one. Jesus. I know, I know, but I was there. I was there. I was, I was fully on board for the rest of the year, and then just life and jobs got in the way. I actually spent the weekend decorating. Oh well, that's so. Whilst you were, uh, you know, running the the media mogul empire, I was uh, decorating. Well, so there we go. Life's two people. I can't say that um, it made a difference not having you there, but well, uh, interesting. I could do it. That. That'll make you feel better. Ah, no, you don't need to because um, your colleagues already were, were messaging me all weekend saying it, was, it wasn't quite the same. So um, that was nice. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I'm actually feeling quite chipper on this podcast. Oh, hello. <laughs> no, I'm feeling quite chipper on this podcast. So I hope you don't bring me down because it was actually a very good event. Oh, okay. Okay, tell us more. Well, 
it was just a very good event all round. The racing, the atmosphere, the weather, the, the situation. More. It was just hard to fault anything from the weekend. So I came away from there being like, you know what? This was a nice weekend. This was good. Whereas France, I left thinking, wow, that was hard work. So, you know, it's a, it's a step forward. It's a step forward. It was a good weekend. And I stand by the fact that if you are a fan making plans for the 2022 season, you're probably going to want to put Spain on your hit list because it is good. I couldn't believe the amount of people there. From, from the TV, it just looked like there was thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, there was. And to be honest with you, I'd be, I would lo- there's no way to quantify this. I would love to know how many of them actually were hardcore motocross fans. Because I don't know. I don't know if it worked. I don't know if it would have worked. I don't know if it even was like a worthwhile exercise. But in the shopping mall, which sits alongside the track, the mall is, I don't know if it's on the mall's grounds, but it's next to it. In the shopping mall, there were signs that just like simply said MXGP and then with an arrow pointing like to the right. And then those signs were dotted all the way from inside of the mall to the track entrance. So if you were, I don't know, maybe there were just random people having a little shop, bored on a Sunday. They saw the sign. They were like, oh, where does this sign lead? And then they just, maybe they just ended up at the gate and off they went. I don't know, but it seemed as if you're going to get new people into a race, that seems like a pretty good way of doing it. Were there any offers on tickets or anything like that to like sort of encourage people to go? I don't know, but in the mall, on the, on the opposite side, in the mall, there was a Domino's and there were Domino's people handing out offers to the MXGP people. So it went the other way. I don't know about the other way though. Oh, okay. Yeah. How was the mall? It was good. Hasn't changed much since last year, but it was better than I remember. Oh. It was obviously very shut last year with COVID, so it was nice to get the full experience. Five guys every night for dinner. Bastards. Yeah. From the track, two five guys in two minutes. It's, uh, whereas La Capelle, when we asked for food at 7pm and the hotel woman went, are you having a laugh? You're not going to get food till the morning now. Like, well, brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> I can't actually take the mick out of having local cuisine because I actually love um, Five Guys Burgers. It's awesome. So I am very jealous. But no, it's just, it was all, it was a, I feel like it was a perfect setup for a race. And yeah, the crowd was, um, it was crazy. Biggest, biggest crowd of the year, wasn't it? Easy. Yeah, I heard that it was, I heard that it was busier, like officially it was busier than La Capelle. I heard, I don't, I don't think there's any figures out, but. That's what I heard. Apparently, they sold more tickets before the event than they did pre-sale on La Capelle. So. And Germ- Germany wasn't a full-capacity crowd, but it was good there as well. So we we're actually on a nice little stretch here of um, normal events. And it actually, like, whereas La Capelle felt quite strange having fans, like, it actually feels normal again now. Like, it almost feels like COVID never happened in the way that, like, imagining now that GP with no one, which it was last year, is weird. Hmm. But... Did it look okay on TV? It looked great on TV. I've got to be honest, the grandstand's just full of like fans. So when you were slagging the track off last week, last year, starting to rescind that a little bit? Racing was good? Uh, Maybe a little. Maybe a little. Mm. Well, you know, um, we're meant to have Liat's Dave King on the podcast this week. He couldn't make it because a lot happened for him in Spain, so he's got a lot of work to do this week. But he went to Spain had never been, listened to this podcast, and when I saw him on Saturday, the first thing he said to me was, bloody hell, you were right about this race. And I said to him, almost as if me going to a race gives me a valued opinion. Like, who knew? Who knew? Who knew that me actually going to the races meant that I actually had a true opinion about stuff? So, well, it's good to see that they upgraded the car park. That's all. 
I've no idea what you're on about. The car park. It's a car. It's no, it's, the it's, track it's, was no different to last year. It's a track in a car park. But the track was no different to last year. I'm just saying. It's obviously had some upgrades at the grandstands. Yeah, well, there was no fans last year, obviously. And actually, I learned that the track, I thought the track stayed there because it was identical to last year. But apparently, it wasn't. It was completely gone before the event. What, what do you mean it's completely gone? Well, like, they got rid of it and they built it up again. Well, so they're actually bringing soil in to make this GP? Well, I don't know if they're bringing soil in, but apparently there was a couple of jumps left. But for the most part, apparently, the track, like, didn't exist before this event. I don't know how true that is, but a rider said they spoke to a track worker and that was what the track worker said. Oh, that's, so, that's interesting. Okay. But I don't understand, I almost don't believe it because I don't understand how you can tear down a track, a motocross track especially, obviously Supercross, you're working to dimensions and stuff, so it's a bit more like, there's more of a blueprint. I don't understand how you can tear down a motocross track and build it identically the following year. Like you'd think that building it from scratch again would lead to like, oh, that corner's the same, but a bit different. Like the angle's a bit different. Like, you know, it was exactly the same though. Yeah. What was your biggest takeaway from Spain? Takeaway? Uh, five guys. Five guys, McDonald's, Domino's, Subway, <laughs> KFC, it had it all. Um, I don't know. Regarding biggest takeaway, I think there was some... I think it lived up to expectations as in the, the racing. Um, I, one thing which I was curious, and I don't know whether the riders picked up on this, uh, and maybe it's uh, I'm making a mat and I have a molehill, but it seemed, was it for race two, they, they changed a lot of the track by kind of taking out the ruts and corners and stuff like that, so it became one, quite one-liney? I, I don't know where you've got that from. I'm also bizarre how that is your biggest takeaway. Well, that was, well this is, again was fr from TV, so I was watching it on TV, and um, I think it was the start of race two. It sort of turned into a bit of a, it seemed like they, take out, they took out, there was just one sort of fast inside line, and that was it. I think that was. I think that's the same for every track all year, and including Spain. First, both motos. I don't feel like the. Okay. Like it was that I mean, different. Maybe, maybe other people who watched. Um, uh, maybe if you if you go back and watch MXGP TV, then you might see what it is. I, I thought you might have known, but uh, regarding biggest take, it was nice to see Prado back up there. Obviously, the injury still um, affecting him a little bit. But I think my biggest takeaway was just Hurlins. Just was just awesome. I really don't know, like. Three laps into Moto One, Hurlings was not awesome, and it looked like it was going to be a bit of a like disaster, a disaster relatively speaking, with a championship so close. And I don't know if you, if you're Fever or Geyser, you look at that from the, you look back on the weekend and you look at how Moto One started for him, and you go, "Oh, he is vulnerable," or you go, "Huh, he was vulnerable, and yet he still doubled his points lead and won the GP." I don't know if you can, if you, I guess if you're guys or whatever, you're looking for everything you can. So maybe you look at that beginning of Moto One and go, he's not, he's not Jeffrey Hurlings all of the time. But there is an opportunity to strike here and take advantage of him having an off couple of laps, an off half of a race or whatever. But yeah, if you'd asked me five laps into Moto One if he was going to win the GP or even hold on to the red plate, I probably would have said no. But there, but again, by the end of the race, um, he was in sight of, of Prado. Yeah, and that was impressive because um, I was actually surprised. Obviously, he got around Geyser because Geyser crashed. And then the last lap, going alongside pit lane, obviously, the, you're actually two straights into the last lap at that point, so it's not even a full lap. Hurling's mechanics put on a pit board Prado plus five seconds, minus five seconds, whatever. And like, we're pointing to it as if to say, like, this is yours. Do not settle for third. 
chase this guy. And then from there, Hurlings managed to find a purple sector, green sectors, and one of the fastest laps of the race. I was, and it was so confusing because it was like, well, where, how did, how have you just done this? Like, how have you just found speed out of nowhere? But that is kind of his, his, I don't know, his trademark. And even, I even asked for him that very question. And he said, like, oh yeah, I surprised myself. It's like, how? Like, how do you not know you're <laughs> capable of that? How does, how does it get to the last lap of a race and you go, oh, I'm going to try and go faster now. Oh, look, I can go so much faster. Like, what? It's like bizarre. But I guess that's what makes a great rider great is that there's always more when needed. Yeah, that, that, that just makes me laugh. The fact that, yeah, uh, not sure where I call it, but I'd, I'd just find it anyway. The fact that he's able just to turn that on. Is, is what makes him the rider is. Yeah, and he said some interesting stuff. Obviously, you didn't listen to the Fly Racing post-race podcast. No, 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 I didn't. Uh, I like to keep up with tradition. Oh, well, they were good this week. Are they usually poorer every other week? No, but they were especially good this week, I felt like. I felt like everyone brought their A-game. Hurlings, like, I learned a lot from Hurlings. I learned a lot. Like, everyone was very open and transparent, I guess you'd say. I said to her, like, because I said on this podcast last week that somehow starts have become a strength of Hurlings, didn't I? I said that, like, for whatever reason, he seems to always come out of the first couple of corners in the top three. And if you're fair for a geyser, how do you beat that? So starts were not great in Spain. Uh, he was helped by the fact that he could sneak around the inside each time. But his core starts, like talking the first half of the start straight, were not great. So I said to him, I said to him, like, oh, I was surprised to see you actually get bad stars because it feels like that doesn't really happen anymore. And he said, which I thought was quite, I almost was quite surprised that he just straight out said it because he's never mentioned this before to me. He said that KTM have a lot of powerful engines. They have a lot of powerful engine options. He chooses one of the most mellow options because he wants his bike to feel like a 450 and he wants to basically have an enjoyable ride. And the downside of that is when you have a long start straight like Spain, he's not going to be as strong. Wow, that's a real interesting insight. Yeah, I was like, oh, bloody hell. So yeah, and then to counter that, or not counter that, but like follow, to follow up from that, I kind of was a separate question, but it all fell under, fell under the same umbrella. Every GP, for as long as I can remember, Hurling's pit board says third gear more often than not. Like it just every two laps, the pit board says nothing except third gear. Always third gear, never second gear, never fourth gear, always third gear. So I said to him, do you use third gear too much or not enough? And he said, not enough. He forgets to shift. And that's why he's so good on a 250. He said that, um, he said that in a lot of ways, his 450 feels like a 250. That's how mellow the engine is. But he also said when he rides a 250 in practice, which he's done a lot this year, he matches the times that he does on a 450. That's how similar his 450 is to a 250. Jesus. That's interesting that he uses his 250 a lot as a practice bike. How did you not know that? That's on Instagram like every week. Hmm. No, I don't know. I don't really take much notice. He's, this year especially, I don't feel like he's done it in previous years, but this year he is spending a lot of time on a 250 midweek. Wow. And his 450 engine characteristics m resemble that of a 250 more than a 450 by the sounds of it. Hmm. But he also said that the start straight is shorter in Arco and it's, shorter in, it's definitely shorter in Mantova. So he said his start shouldn't be a problem there. So no worries at all. And actually, you know what? His bike setup is probably well suited to Arco because it's quite tight and twisty. So that he might actually have a bit of a sweet spot for that track. Even though he hasn't raced there in, since 2018. So that's, uh, that's another little interesting... Did, um, you, did you mention that to him that he's not sort of raced there for three years? 
No, because we were talking about a lot more interesting stuff. So talking about him not racing at Trentino for three years kind of was not even worth mentioning because he would just go, no. race there a lot. Yeah, that's some good insights you brought to the show for once. Well, everyone, most people have already heard those because they were up on the uh, podcast network two days ago. Here's an, interesting, here's an interesting little way to go for you. Okay. Actually, before we get there, did you see the Hurling Jonas thing on TV? No. But I did see it on MX Vice's Instagram. Okay, but there was a video of it on TV, and I'm concerned because you say you watched the races. Well, uh, I was watching the races as I was doing walls and ceilings. So, you know, I had sort of the commentary on in the background. Um, so there were some, some times when I did actually miss the action. Hmm. Okay. Well, hey, I've got a nine-year-old girl. She wants her fucking bedroom done. It's got to be done, mate. Yeah, okay. So yeah, that was sketchy. That was close. That was sketchy. But that's the, the, the kind of second incident, you know, in, in sort of the last three races, isn't it? Obviously, the first one was Prado, and then this one could have been well, another one. You can put Monticelli in the same category. That was on a jump. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, is, is this just a, co- a coincidence? Or do these things seem to, these things to be like a magnet to these things? Unfortunately, Hurling's, I had to kind of rush. Well, it wasn't really rushed. It was actually quite long, but I couldn't, go into it too much because um, Hurlings had a flight an hour and a half. We, I was stood interviewing Hurlings in his gear and his flight took off in an hour and a half. That's so, impressive. Yeah, it's, so I, was, I actually felt the pressure doing the interview because I was like, I can't be the reason why you miss your flight. He's not changed at all, has he? Because he, he, he likes to get back home as quick as possible. Yeah, he likes to arrive to the race as late as possible. But luckily, we don't have to skimp out on interviews because of that. Yeah, so he said about that incident, he said, I don't understand. When you're behind, this is the third time this year. First Monticelli, then what happened with Jorge when he cross-jumped. I don't understand it. When you are behind someone or just right in front of them, why are you cross-jumping? Maybe slow down a little bit or whatever. Fuck. I don't know what to say because that would have been my third crash. I feel like I couldn't do anything about it too because I was in front of him and he scrubbed really close to me. Luckily, it all went well. End good, all good. It's not the first time this has happened because I remember Paul's jumped onto the back of me in Argentina like six years ago, which you may remember that as the incident that led to Ferrandis's first GP win. So, like, nice little link there to Ferrandis, who is hot right now in America. But yeah, so interesting question for you. You ready? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, well, I, I'm I, not, so I, just... Um, I love I'm a good question. Gonna... Okay, so... Do I get points? No. The MXGP... Um, class has been hot this year, hotly contested. Yeah. Who do you think has led the most laps? This year? Yes. No. In two, 1998. I wouldn't know 98. No. Who, who do you think has led the most laps this year? Hmm. Okay. Going to need some bit more speed out of you. This isn't like, this okay. is a conversation. This isn't a game. Uh, I'm going to go with Geyser. Okay, that's very wrong. No, Prado. I was going to say Prado, but then I was thinking he's missed a race. Yeah, but think about how many times he whole shots. Yeah. Even if he whole no, shots no, no. and finishes, like, that leads to some laps No, I, I, I was there. I was there. I just thought maybe, it, you know, him missing a round would have... Um, he hasn't missed sorry, a Sorry, a race uh, would, have, um, would, would have changed that, but that doesn't surprise me at all. He's led laps at all GPs this year except for five. Didn't lead laps in Russia, Britain, or Majora. Didn't lead laps in Lommel and didn't lead a lap in France. But apart from that, 
he's led laps at every other GP. And every other GP, he's led at least double digits laps. So he's not like led one or two. Who do you think's led the second most laps? Uh, I would go Geyser. Okay, that's wrong again. Fevra. Okay, is Geyser third? No. Fourth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes! But, so maybe Prado leading the most laps isn't surprising. Fevra leading the second most laps, I think, is a bit of a surprise. Yeah, that's a big more one. Than her, uh, nine more than Hurlins. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. And that shows um, the development that he's made or, or the, the levels he's made this year. Um, going back to, to Prado, is, so if, if, if Jeffrey's saying that he has taken a more mellow motor, are we kind of thinking that Prado's taken a motor which is a little bit more of a handful to, to get these starts to lead these races? No. Okay. I think you could put Prado on an 85 and it's still a whole shot. Yeah, it's probably true. It's probably but true. I do know that Prado likes power, so I'd imagine that Prado is using more of a 450 power than Jeffrey does because I know that he has asked for more power at points in his 450 career. Wow. So He's only little as uh, well. Yeah. So yeah, that's surprising, but I think that also speaks to what... I have a bit of echo, James. <laughs> not sure what you've got going on in there, but uh, I can hear my voice. Uh, that's not here, buddy. Uh, I don't know what you're playing at. No, I think that's normal. I think that we had this before, didn't we, where you've got another microphone on or something, or headphones near a microphone, or headphones on near a microphone. But never mind, it's gone now, so uh, it must have just been an odd, an odd occurrence. I'll let you off. I think Fevra leading the second most laps is speaks to what I've been saying recently, and that is, Fevra has been so good this year, and not taking anything away from him, he should have more GP wins. Like, I don't know how he hasn't only got one GP win this year. It makes no sense. Four Moto wins, which is respectable. Like, that's only two less than Geyser, so that's not bad. But he's left GP win after GP win on the table, and the fact that he's led 104 laps this year, he's led laps in Britain, Majora, Lommel, Latvia, Turkey... Turkey 2, Sardinia, hold on, nope, not Sardinia, Germany, France, Spain. Like, he's led laps in all of those places. So, I don't, I just can't figure out why this hasn't led to more GP wins. Well, the start of the year, I think it comes down to, he, he's, at the start of the year, he seemed to have just these little, little lapses of concentration. Yeah, but we, we know, but we know that, and that was the reason for the start of the year. But recently, those have gone, and I can't put my finger, like, I asked him straight up about this. I like fully, probably the most like in-depth interview I've ever done with Fevra, where I said to him, like, you're so fast, you're so good, but what is missing? What is it? Like, I can't, I can't figure it out. And like, you must know, you must have an idea. And he didn't, he didn't know either. But he said, I think it comes down to my starts. But then looking at this, these stats, his starts are his starts aren't stopping him from leading laps. So I don't know if it is for starts. But then I was talking to someone else earlier about the... Uh, I was talking to someone else after the race about the interview. And I said, yeah, I was asking Fevra, like, what's missing? And these people went to me, well, nothing's missing. Look how good he is. And I was like, no, something has to be missing because he's... Look, yeah, look how good he is. He should be winning more GPs. Now, Spain, he crashed on the first lap of Moto2. So that is a clear cut. That's what happened. There's not really, um, not really much to say there. But talking about his season as a whole, there is something missing there. Yeah, but I don't know if I agree with that because when you think about the level what Geyser and Hurlins have been on this year, and, and if, you, if you go back a year ago and we were, all the talk was going to be about Hurlins versus Geyser this year, um, the, I think 
I would say that Febra is the the most improved, not not improved, like, oh my God, he's got so much better, but his level, um, like Hurlins in, in Geyser aren't getting, any, they're in their prime, they're, they're killing it. I think Febra's now found that little bit of extra speed and he's nearly, nearly there. Um, I think this is where, this is where you're looking at it from like the other side. You're looking at it as look how good he's got. I'm looking at it as look how good he's got. Why isn't he winning? I, I'm, I'm on the same page as you, but I'm asking that question at the end of it rather than going, look how good he is. I'm going, look how good he is. Plus, why isn't he winning more? Right, it, could be a, it could be a variety of things. Uh, mindset, I mean... No, he said, and actually, I've spoken to other riders about this. I don't think I ever mentioned it on this podcast. I asked some other riders recently, what is Fevra's greatest strength? And they said, one, his ability to hang it out. And two, they actually said this was the number one strength of his. His mindset, his ability to ignore pressure, to not think too much, his ability to just go out there and do the job. And Fevra, I even asked Fevra himself a couple of weeks ago, and he said, yep, that, that, is, my greatest, um, that is my greatest strength. And he reaffirmed it in this interview from Sunday and said, I just go out there and race without thinking too much. Because I even said to him, that second moto start wasn't good. And I thought to myself, were you overthinking it? And he went, nope, I don't overthink. And that is, he's like, I've learned that from previous years. I don't think anymore. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know what to you have the You have the answers. But I, I think the thing is, if, if, if Hurlins wasn't racing or got injured this year, then we'd be talking completely different because it would be Romain who would be leading the championship and going for his, his second MXGP title. So, it comes down to I think it just comes down to one person which is Hurlins who is not human he's just a different a different breed let's play another little game oh god okay Prado, Fevra, Hurlings Caroli, Geyser ignoring all results rank them from first to fifth on who you fit on the best rider this year the best like at, at their peak obviously like Prado's and Caroli are dinged up at the moment but at their peak this year First to fifth, rank them in order of who you think the strongest all-round riders are. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the first one, which probably seems obvious, but it's not because I'm going to explain it, which is Hurlins. And, and, and the fact that he's got uh, a 12-point lead at the moment, but he's missed a whole round, and he did finish the second, or didn't start the second race um, of Oss. That's a testament to how, how good he is this year. Like, that's just ridiculous. Um, I I would say I'd be honest, and I'd go. I'd, I think the championship kind of says says it all, really. I, I would go Hurlins, Fevre, and but I would go Prado, Geyser, Caroli, because Prado's shown like the stat you, you mentioned earlier about the laps led. Like he showed us enough this year to say that next year and onwards, he is going to be the main protagonist in the MXGP class. Um, because he's still got a long way to grow and a long way to improve. And he's already that fast. So what, what, what would you say? What would, what would be your top five? I think I would go the same. Hurling's number one, definitely. Beveren, number two, definitely. And yeah, I would put Prado ahead of Geyser. And then I think I'd put Crowley fifth, but that is a bit of recency bias because it's been a while since he's been at full fitness. So that is a bit like the memory is fading of where how good he was early in the season, and he was very good. Yeah. 
I think I would go for that order too. Hurlings, Fevra, Prado, Geyser, Crowley. Look at us agreeing. Yeah. Well, that's quite a good question though. Yeah, really good question. Yeah. And like, Hurlings has just, just been phenomenal this year. But Prado, I think they're all going to have problems with Prado in the future. Just to go back to those laps led, um, just to give everyone a bit more clarity, uh, Prado's led 125 laps, Fevra's led 104, Hurlings has led 95, Geyser has led 60. Wow. Um, here, here's a question for you. Given that you're at the races every week, given that you, you've seen um, riders, at some point, Hurlins is going to retire. Uh, Caroli's retiring. Um, we're going to have Fevre, Geyser, Prado is the top three. Obviously, Fevre and, and, and Geyser are going to keep Prado honest, but you know they're getting older. Prado's still only 20. Who's going to be Prado's fiercest rival in the next three to four years? Well, putting Fevre and Geyser in the same category is wrong because Fevre is a lot older than Geyser. I would bet that Fevre retires. Either Fevre will retire at the same point as Hurlings or the year before Hurlings. I would almost bet that Fevre retires at the end of the next, at the end of his new contract, which is two years, the next two years. So I would bet that Fevre retires end of 2023. Hurlings' contract is also up end of 2023. And I would bet that he retires either then or he does a one-year extension and retires at the end of 2024, depending on how things are going. That would be my bet for those two. So you reckon Hurlins only another three years in the sport and that's it? Most, yeah. I think so. Unless, obviously, if he goes on a tear for the next three years and like wins every time and wins all the titles, then obviously he's going to have motivation to continue. But um, I think that's, I would bet that's pretty, um, pretty reasonable guess. Geyser and Prado are going to be around for a similar length of time. Geyser is four years older than Prado, so there isn't that much of a difference there. Yeah, I think it's four or five, isn't it? I think. No, it's not five. I think that's too much. Well, oh, Prado is Prado still twenty? He's not turned twenty-one yet, has he? Geyser is twenty-five. Just he turned twenty-five eighth of September. Okay, but just twenty-five. And Prado is twenty, but he turned twenty in January. So there's a difference of four years and. Two months uh, between them, I guess. Two months. Four years. No, nine months. Um. Yeah, but would you not? Uh, Prado was born fifth of January two thousand and one. Geyser was born. <laughs> You're a maths of shit. Eighth of eighth of September nineteen ninety six. It's it's basically so, nearly five years. So it's somewhere between four and five years. Yeah, we'll agree on that. Yeah. So, but who's who who's coming up? Who you feel it is gonna? Because can you see Prado just literally being at Everts and dominating for the next eight nine years? I don't, no, I don't think to that level. But there is a problem coming because there is not talent coming through. It's no secret there is no talent coming through. So screw the Prado discussion. Looking beyond that to MX two, EMX two fifty, EMX one two five, Europe is heading into a drought. I've heard it from many MX2 teams this year. Lower MX2 teams, obviously, like if you're factory KTM, then it's quite easy to get the number one guy. But if you're a satellite MX2 team and you're kind of fishing in the 5th through 15th range, there is not anyone out there because there's no one really coming up from EMX250. Lapucci's too old and actually has a... I think he's going to be riding a Fantic 450 next year. So that's, as far as I know, I think that's done. Horgman is quite old. Orgmo isn't that old. I think he's 21, 20. So he's, he would probably, I know he is on the shortlist for some teams. And then Rick Elzinger, who 
I know is talking to some teams, but again, I don't think anyone's saying that Raquel Zinger is like the next great hope. So there is a drought. There is a drought coming. There's no, it's no secret. Even I interviewed Dirk Grubel on um, Sunday and he even said the same, like Europe's heading into a hole. Like it's no, um, yeah, it just is, it is what it is. These, it's ebbs and flows. Sometimes you have a really good period and then you have a dry spell for like four years and then, oh, look, now there's a load of phenomenal talents coming again. Mm. Yeah, interesting. It's just something I thought about and um, yeah, I think it's going to be, uh, I think this, this, this kid's going to dominate. Well, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's too far wrong. But yeah, 15 points separating the top three. Hurlings is your favourite for the title? Yeah. I was actually just uh, thinking that I can imagine... Um, Prado um, in five years' time winning world championships and Strybos still still trying, still trying to keep going. No, Just keeping that dream alive. No, Strybos is not in a good place right now. <laughs> good old Kevin. He's not in a good place right now. Did you see him the weekend? He didn't race a second motor. Oh wow. Yep. Don't want to ask me why. Please, please go. Please fill it. There's no reason. He just didn't want to race. <laughs> Really? He yep. just decided, fuck it. I'm, yep. I'm not... That's how over it he is right now. Shit. Yeah. Just decided that that's, it wasn't it's no point. him. Yep, just like that's that one. Yep, like I'm not, I don't want to race right now. Is that him done for the year? No, he's going to go to Trentino. I, I would bet he retires at the end of the season, but who knows with him because we've played this game a lot. But yeah, he said to me actually, yeah, because this actually wasn't an interview. So he said to me that he thought he did quite a good lap in time practice. He was quite happy with it, pulled in, looked at the screen, and he was 24th, and he just thought, fuck. And then he actually qualified 27th out of 30. So rough old time for Kevin. But And I immediately said, oh, well, you're ill, aren't you? Because uh, last time I interviewed him, Sardinia, he was going on about how ill he is, and, how, and he said he's figured that out. He's not ill anymore. So that's not even an excuse. Yeah, just didn't want to... What, not, not very happy with a bike at the moment, I think. Uh, just not really feeling it at all. But as I said to him, I don't think Spain would really be your track anyway. I was like, Trentino, that's a bit more... Technique comes into it a bit more, and there you go. That's a bit more your bag. So you actually gave him hope to go to Trentino? Oh, I am. I said, I said to Strybos, oh, you need to hire me to sit in your tent and be your motivational speaker, because I seem to motivate him a lot. I also said to him, if you retire you need to do your final race because then I can run into the track with a banner and jump up and down hugging you. And he said, please stay as far away from me as possible. <laughs> I can imagine him saying that with a straight face as well. This is my childhood hero, by the way. Yeah. This is my, this was one of my top three favorite riders growing up when I was eight years old. Brilliant. This is amazing. Berating me. Amazing. Yeah, it's a rough old time, rough, rough old time for Kevin, but we... um. He, was, he went, what, 12, 15 in Tushan Tol two weeks ago? So that's why I said to him. I was like, Spain, it's just like, it's just Spain. Like, you'll be fine. It's, you'll be, I said to him, top 13 in Trentino, bet. I was like, I bet you any money you'll be top 13 in Trentino. So I don't know why I said top 13. I felt like top 10 was a bit ambitious. And I felt like top 15 <laughs> wasn't very exciting for him. Like, I felt like if I said top 15, that would be, he'd be a bit like, well, I shit anyway. So I, felt, I went with top 13. As he was walking back, kicking the mud, thinking 13. I thought top I, was a reasonable... Not even going to bother. Yeah, so Crowley's getting better. Crowley actually, weird one. So first moto, Crowley finished seventh. He had something that's never happened to him before in his career. He had a stone wedged in his boot and it must have been so uncomfortable. He stopped on the side of a track, unbuckled his boot, got the stone out, 
buckled his boot back up and continued going. Wow. Middle of a race. This, all, this wasn't time practice. This was the middle of a race. We've all had stones in our shoes. Sometimes you can battle on and sometimes it's the most excruciating pain in the world. I guess in this case, it was a latter. What he needs is some boot gaiters. That would be cool. It's the, it goes over the top. So you can actually get the enduro trousers which go over the top of the boot as well. Can you not remember the boot gaiters? They used to be like poppers that go over the boots. No. What? No. I feel like you're talking about something that was before my time. Jesus Christ. I'd almost say you're definitely talking about something that's before my time. I think I need to retire. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say next? Do you remember? Oh, a no, I, I guess giving up though. Oh my God. Yeah, I'd say you're 100%. I've never even heard of those, those like boot gaiter. And even when you explained it, I've never even seen a, like any evidence of that being a thing. Wow. So yeah, Jonas admitted to me that he's riding at 98%. He's not really going 100% at the moment and he hasn't been all year because he's a bit afraid of getting injured um, after the last two years. And apparently he had a bit of a deep talk with Tim Mathis, the Standing Construct team owner this week, and said like, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. And um, Tim said to him like, oh, well, what you're doing is fine because if you, if you push to 100%, maybe you make a mistake and then you finish 10th. And apparently Paul's uh, rebuttal to that was or maybe it pays off and I finish third. So I guess it, you can look at that both ways. But um, I think what Pauls is doing is just fine. And to be honest, let's just get him to the end of the season. And then I think if he can get to the end of the season and have a healthy off season, I think he could be quite good next year. I think he could take another little step up and maybe even join that top five. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember he is an MX2 world champion. He's, he knows what it's like to win a championship. And he's getting better every year. A bit like Jeremy. Every year, they just seem to get, they seem to improve. Well, apart from this year, Jeremy's, Obviously, it's not gone as well as it has previous years. But Speaking of Jeremy, yep. two things. Didn't interview Jeremy this weekend. I text him. I, I'd done like nine interviews and I was like, ah, who else is here? I can't find anyone. So I text Jeremy and said, you still at the track? Where's your camper? And he replied within two seconds and went, my camper is at my hotel, which is 20 minutes from the track. Meaning he'd left the track. So I replied, ah, oh, well. And he replied, Shall I come back to the track to do an interview? What a guy. So, all of you people, what a all guy. of you people, all of you people that are going, oh my God, you interview Jeremy all the week, every week. This is why. What do I, like, this, on this occasion, I managed to stop him from doing that because I, I replied and said, please don't do that. That's ridiculous. I'm not being responsible for you driving 20 minutes back to the track just to do an interview. Please don't do that. But Germany, same thing. I finished my interviews. I didn't find him. I thought, ah, maybe he's still here. So I messaged him. He's still at the track. Again, he rung me and was like, I'm just driving out of the track. Do you need me? And I was like, ah, yeah, I've not, I've not had a great night interviews wise. He turned the camper around in Germany, drove back into the track, drove back into the pits, parked next to the media center to do an interview. So this is why there's so many Jeremy interviews. The guy is very available. <laughs> No, that that's a testament because um, to Jeremy because when I went round uh, in France, it was so hard to find riders. It was really really hard to find riders. So um, if anybody says, "Oh, you you know you, you always do the same people," then uh, there is a reason for it because you can only get who you can get. Yeah, exactly. And some people some people leave it like hurlings. If I didn't have a system with hurlings, there wouldn't be many hurlings interviews because. His flight left an hour and a half after the race. But luckily, I have a system with Hurlings, which pretty much guarantees me an interview always. So that's good. That system works. But some riders take off immediately. Others 
sit there for seven hours just talking to everyone like Jeremy. So it's just like it's just how it how it how it works. And part two to the Jeremy facts, he swears by dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. What what does dark chocolate do? I can't remember exactly, but apparently dark chocolate has got something in it that helps him and people in general race. What with arm pump? No, just in, apparently he's got something in it that makes you awake. Well, that's or happy caffeine. <laughs> he said for Cocoa. he said that milk. He said that regular chocolate has got too much sugar in it. Yeah, it gives you. Um, uh, he said dark chocolate has just got something in it that that makes you feel a lot better than regular chocolate, and you feel quite awake and happy. I can't remember the ins and outs of this, but just if anyone wants any you sure he's raw saying, insight from riders, you sure he's saying dark chocolate? No, he definitely said. I, I say definitely said dark chocolate because he slapped it dark chocolate down on the table in front of me and went, "Have this; it will make you happier." Jesus, if it makes you happier, I'll go out and buy a freaking trap load. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just there you go. Raw insight um, from rider there. Okay. Uh, Benoit Patrell, eighth overall. I'm impressed. I feel like maybe we've all forgotten how good Patrell was. Maybe this isn't actually a surprise. Maybe this is just where he's at when he's healthy. But he's been in such a low point for a while now that I kind of forgot he was this good. So I'm, I've been very impressed lately. But even then, when you and then I was thinking this on Sunday. You think back to the beginning of last year when he was on Jackie Martin's team, he was actually very good uh, at Vulcanswad pre-COVID. So... And I think Matt Lee as well. So he is, he is one to like, he's capable. It's just, he's had, um, he's so had many injuries. Lows. So many injuries. Well, not even injuries because it wasn't even an injury this year. It was just COVID. But um, this goes back to what another rider who had success in MX2 struggled in MXGP said to me at the Nations. I can't remember if I said it on this podcast. This rider who is active at the moment came up. He said, it was, I was talking to him about some other rider who he races against. And he went, the thing is, us us riders who were good in MX2 and are shit in MXGP, we haven't forgotten how to ride. Like we've still got it in our, we've still got it in us. We've just taken such a battering that we've got no confidence now. He was like, if you give us riders our confidence back, our confidence in ourselves, the bikes, the teams, then we'll be quite good again. But it's just so hard to get that confidence back. And Patrell, I think, is an example of that. But he's obviously finding something because he's putting in the results. Yeah, he's, he's um. I'm actually quite impressed by him. And as I am, Bogus, who, um, who was very good in the second moto to a sixth place. So Patrell, Bogus, and Tonus all finishing in uh, the top 10 of MXGP. I mean, at the start of the year, we all thought all three would probably struggle to, to, to get a top 10. Uh, no, Bogus, Bogus is... I'd, I'd, t- I'd take Bogus out of that group. Bogus has, Bogus has proven himself. And I think he did last year. But speaking of Tonus, I hear from a few people that Geben and Hossettler are going to merge next year. So um, there was rumors like a month ago or two months ago that Hossettler was shutting down, which I think was half true. Obviously, if they're merging with another team, they kind of like are ceasing as an actual team. But then after that, there was rumors of them merging with Riley Racing and the MX250 team. Then there was rumors of them merging with another MX250 team. Now, finally, it seems they will actually be merging with Geben. Merging, joining, whatever words you want to use, Hossettler will be basically consumed by Geben. So that'd be so that'd be Guillo and Tonus basically going over to Geben. I don't think Guillo, but I would say Tonus, yeah. But isn't Guillo um, sponsored by Hostetler, the actual group? I so is Sewer, but I don't think they're going to put him on Geben. No. Um, no, I, I just 
from from previous years, I know that that was quite a big thing. If that Guillo being on a bike for him, so well, I don't doubt it was very big for them when he was on Asamoto Honda. Mm. Was he on Asamoto Honda? I don't know. I said, as I said that, I said that confidently, and I was like, was he? But I think he was. But for some reason, I can't picture it in my head at all of him on a Honda. Anyway, I don't think it actually went very well. I think I spoke to him. I, th- I think I remember speaking to him about it in Latvia, and I remember him being very depressed. So maybe that's why I don't. Remember. I think it was that, like it was one of those things that are never it's, it's never to be spoken about. Koldenov continues to have struggles, but he was actually better in Spain. I would say he was running top four in the first moto until he got cleaned out by Hurlings. I still haven't seen that move, but apparently it was nothing. I mean, it was on TV, so I'm guessing everyone who's listening to this saw it, but from what yeah, people it, say to me, it was nothing bad. It was just two lines coming together. Yeah, and it looks like the foot pegs caught each other or something something silly like that, but Hurlings managed to, you know, get away with that one and he was fine. Yeah, so Koldenov would have actually had like kind of a bit of a breakthrough result had it not been for that. So his Spain was more positive, I think, than, um, than the results show. But again, he said like, he was searching for bike setup in time practice and playing around with things. So he's still not set on a bike setup. He's still, we're round 13 and he's basically spending the whole of time practice messing around with bike setup. So that gives a bit, and there you go, that's, that's your insight into cold and off season. Lorenzo Lucercio was good. First race back from injury. Quite, quite impressed by that. I thought that was good. Balaikov continues to move forward and be quite good. Ben Watson uh, twisted his ankle last week, thought he was going to be fine to race, actually had his best qualifying of the season in 9th, 10th? Way better than anything else, which was surprising, especially on this track. But then a, a dabdy foot in the first moto, it was too painful. That's why he do- dropped back from 12th to 19th. Obviously, he's better. But he's never going to do that in a normal situation. Um, and then between motos, the ankle was too painful and he decided it was better to skip the second moto and rest up for Trentino which I think is, was the best thing to do in his situation because, okay, he's looking for a ride and okay, results are important. But if he was out there, people would think that, oh, like the first moto, he just finished 19th straight up. Whereas not racing the second moto sends a clear message to everyone that there was a problem in Spain. This wasn't the real me, which I think is important in the situation he's at. Sometimes gutting things out and going about your business quietly isn't the best. It doesn't work in your favor, even though, a lot of people would think it is like the way to do things. Van Donick isn't having the best time at the moment either. Joan Cross made a wildcard appearance, which I thought was quite interesting. Joan Cross, uh, people will know from AMA Supercross. He's made, I think he made two main events this year in the 450s, so he's a capable rider. So I thought that him doing a wildcard in MXGP was quite interesting, but it served as a proof of why he's racing Supercross in America, because motocross does not seem to be his bag. <laughs> the last time he actually raced in an Youth stream, in, youth stream event was 2013, the second round of MX3 in Bulgaria yeah. overall there. So there you go. That kind of tells you why he ended up doing AMA Supercross in America, because he seems to be much more comfortable indoors than out. Wow. We're going to all sleep uh, safely knowing that tonight. Well, I think that wraps up part one for us, James. Good, good, good. I like this. Nice and efficient. Part one of the MXY show was presented by our friends, our elite friends at Fly Racing who redefined expectations in safety and performance with a Formula helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, that's AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. 
weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. I would attest to that. The formula helmet has indeed changed the game. I would strongly recommend you do your research, get your hands on a formula helmet if you can, and just have a feel, have a look, have a closer look. And then I can guarantee shortly after you'll be making a purchase. It is that good. This is not ad speak. This is... I picked up the helmet for myself for the very first time, had a look at it, had a feel of it, tossed it around, and I was pretty impressed and realized that all of the facts, all of the research, everything that went into it has resulted in a bloody good product. The Fly Racing Formula Helmet is worth checking out. And of course, we would like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. That's it for part one. This is episode 86. We will be back in three minutes with more from the MXGP of Spain. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with three Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Prox Racing Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high-level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 86 of the MX Vice Show podcast, episode 86, as I just said. Uh, (laughs) This is part two. MX2 discussion. Liat, ask us anything coming right up. But before we get to that, we need to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. This is part two. And of course, part two is presented by our friends at Technical Touch with an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world. The KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. You too can experience the best in suspension, like Jeremy Sewer and Ben Watson, and close to home too. Visit technical-touch.com slash KYB-authorized-dealer to find an authorized KYB by Technical Touch dealer in your country. Take your ride to the next level. 
And what you're going to want to do is visit that link, technical-touch.com slash KYB hyphen authorized hyphen dealer, because that will have every authorized dealer in your country on the page. So you can find what's closest to you. You can find the closest way for you to get factory suspension. There's three locations in France. There's locations in Italy, Netherlands, Germany, Belgium, everywhere you could think, even countries where you probably wouldn't expect there to be an authorized dealer. There is indeed. So check that out from our friends at Technical Touch. Moving on to MX2, Maxime Renault won. I don't know what to think about Maxime Renault at the moment because he's got a 108-point lead. He's never been in this... What's wrong with Maxime? He's got a 108-point lead. He's never been in this position before. He's having the season of his life. It's a huge step up from last year. Why is he hell-bent on making statements and proving that he is the alpha? Just... Just go about your business, protect your 108-point lead, and get to the final checkered flag. That's all that matters right now. What, ma- what doesn't matter is trying to prove that you're better than Tom Viao or trying to silence for critics or trying to get into beef with Jed Beaton. Uh, all I'm going to say is that sometimes you make mistakes by actually not riding the way that you usually do. So you could say that he's doing everything right because he's riding the way he knows how to ride. Um, and he's producing the results. He could try and back I've off. Got, I've got no problem with him riding flat out and going for it. I've got a problem with him walking onto the podium with his finger over his mouth in like a shh fashion to basically tell everyone that telling the haters to shut up. Not that there are haters, but I believe the whole shh thing on the podium, I don't even know if they showed it on TV, I guess they did. I believe that was a... You think Tom Vial's better than me? Look at this. I just won the GP. To be honest, he's leading the world championship. He's just won another GP. If he wants to literally go onto the podium, whip his wanger out and do windmills with it, he can. He's that good at the moment. Leave I don't like the sure Leave Maxine alone, will you? Just back I don't like the sure thing. I don't like the sure thing. Why don't you go back on your Ben Watson bus, which is going down a big rocky path at the moment into a ball of flames, why don't you go back on that one? Leave Maxine alone. He's fine. I don't like the shh thing. What, what, is your, what are you shh-ing me about? Or not me, but anyone. He doesn't like your interview techniques. Shh. I've just beaten Vial for the first time since Turkey a month and a half ago. Like, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Again, I don't even know where you're having this conversation. I just don't feel like that. I don't feel like that. And I don't feel like getting into mad beef with Jed Beaton in qualifying which he qualified in third. If I'm him, I'm going, I qualified in third. That's going to make today easier. I can get out of here with a 100-point lead. Everything's set up nicely. Let's just get through the day. I'm on to Trentino. We'll get through there, and then we'll, it'll be over before we know it. Not, oh my God, I'm going to f- make beef with every single person I run into and prove that I am the best guy in MX2. He doesn't care. He's, he, like I said, if he wants to do windmills with his wangers, with his wanger, he can. He's going to be on a 450 next year as well. Who cares? He's going to be world champion. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't like that. I feel like that's unnecessary. You're unnecessary. Spain was the first time that he has led laps since Turkey, on that note. And actually, if you look at the stats, it paints a very clear picture that Vial has had control of this series since Turkey. Yeah, Vial's been, been literally awesome. Oh, I don't know about that. Renault wants you to shh. I'll be shushing you in a minute. That's just what, that's all I'm saying. I just don't get 
Facts. You've said it. You've said it. If he wants to, he's, he's, he's literally winning the World Championship. He's going to win the MXD World Championship. He's just won another GP. Like I said, windmills for days is all I care about. If he wants to do that, fine. He's earned the right. I did some digging into the Gert situation, see if I could nail down why Where are you digging? He's so up and down. And I got nowhere. Yeah. Like, that's just. A, I spoke to people close to him and they said that they don't know either because it's not like he gives much away. And I was like, well, you're right there. That's a conundrum, that one. Good luck with that. They said that if you go and speak to him, he could be on. He could be having the best day of his life or the worst day of his life, and you wouldn't know any different. And I was like, well, sounds about right. But yeah, so just, uh, just I did. I did try with that and got nowhere so far, which is a shame. What stood out to you from MX2 in Spain? Feel free to say not much because it's like MX2 is just limping to the finish at this point. Um. Well, I did kind of have one eye on Hoffer because obviously I was a little bit kind of um uh I kind of put, a dickhead. No. Not dickhead at all. I was literally just saying that I felt like there was supposed to be more from him. Um and I I did see little bits, but but yeah, it didn't it didn't really fifth overall. Yeah, I think fifth overall is just fine. Yeah, so, yes, like I said, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, Guadagini, uh, rookie year, fourth overall. Um, oh my God. With it's basically Hoffa's rookie year. It's not. It's his second year. Okay. You, okay. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Right. 2020, Rene Hoffa completed five motos. Mattia Guadagnini completed six. Sorry? Hello? Hello? Yeah, I'm just waiting for you to get to the point. That's, that is the point. You're so big on all oh, Guadagnini's rookie year, he completed more motos than Hoffa last year. Yeah, and? Well, then why? Uh, I don't understand how you're not. I'm guessing this defense tactic is because you realized you were backed into a corner. And if not, I don't realize how you don't realize you're backed into a corner. Well, no, it's just that he's still 80 points in front in the uh, championship. My point is that you're going, you're going on and on and on about one point behind oh, Guadagnini's rookie, rookie year and Hoffa. Uh, you're going on and on about it being uh, Guadagnini's rookie year and Hoffa's second year when those stats say that they're actually at very similar points in their career. And Guadagnini's better. And as, we said, as I said last week, I'm not comparing him to other riders. I'm merely saying Rene Hoffa is doing bloody well at the moment and much better than anyone would have thought two months ago. Jesus Christ. What, are you Keda Kawasaki Piano now? Sorry, KTM. KTM. Thank you for... Thank you. That says it all. Thank you. If this was caught, I would go, I rest my case. Yeah, you're a prick. I rest my case. You're a prick. I rest my case, Your Honor. Um, I spoke to uh, KTM about Hoffer. Yeah, of course you did. I can't remember what they said exactly. Mind your own business. <laughs> I, they said that, I, I, said, I said, oh yeah, everyone just thinks he's got the ride because he's Austrian. And they said that he has been a part of KTM for as long as they can remember. He was the R&D rider before he turned pro. And my first thought when I heard that was, well, if he wasn't very good, they would have kept him as an R&D rider. He was an R&D, what, what, on a KTM 65? I guess so. I guess he did R&D on youth bikes. Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, wh th that's not very good defense. Well, I don't understand no. what more you want. No. Okay. Uh, Ruben Fernandez uh, was due to race a 2022 Honda. He did ride it in free practice. You people at home wouldn't have seen that because free practice isn't televised, but he did ride it in free practice and then eventually pulled it in and went back on his 2021 purely because 
he didn't have enough testing time. Apparently, the track that he rode this week, he had the bike pretty dialed in for. But then when he got to like the GP setting, he realized that he needs more time on the bike to race it. So that is why he was on the 2021, not the 2022, which is obviously an all-new motorcycle. So it's not like a minor nip and a tuck there. He also had flames on his number plate, which I didn't understand because I don't know why there were flames on his number plate and there weren't flames on Rizzy's. So I never got to the bottom of that, unfortunately. Maybe there's a new thing with HRC where I kind of like, you know, what rider's on fire this week? And uh, whoever's on fire in training, they get, fire, they get flames on the number plates. Love it. Love it. Good work, HRC. Good work. Uh, I tell you who uh, did stand out in race one was uh, Oreo Oliver until uh, he had a little mishap. Yeah, he was actually quite good in every session. He had little flashes everywhere. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that. So, um, yeah, that was what stood out for me. Um, so there we go. Mikhail Harab continues to make steps forward. And I knew that by the fact that he did a wheelie through the entire waves in qualifying. Well, it couldn't have got any further back for him, though. So he can only, he can only come forward. You know you say that I'm the negative person. Yeah. You seem to be very negative on everyone. I'm, I'm not... I, I'm just... Just pointing out things. Okay. You're saying that Harrop's wheeling through. Well, well that's gr- great news. Great news. I'm just saying that he's got his mojo back. He had a podium in Matley last year. That's a lot of time to try and find your mojo. Oh, you're missing, you're missing a point again. Okay, fair enough. Kyder Wolf and Isaac Gifton had one heck of a battle in the first moto, which I'm pretty sure made everyone watching on TV and up the track very happy. Yeah, it was good. Uh, Kyder Wolf was not happy with it. Uh, apparently... Gifting was cross-jumping him and generally being sketchy. So DeWolf went and spoke to the Diga team manager after the race, after the moto, and said that if he keeps riding like that, someone's going to teach him a lesson. So there's that. Fighting tool. DeWolf crashed in the second moto and broke his nose. So there's also that. Don't know if karma was related, but he crashed in the second moto and broke his nose. So there is that. Muse actually, Muse looks like he had a so-so day, but it wasn't that bad when you look at the fact that he went from 17th to 12th in the first moto and 25th to 13th in the second moto. Like, that isn't bad. That's not Muse just got bad starts and got stuck in a rut and couldn't really go anywhere. That is Muse at least charging and making progress, which I think is where you see if he's on one of his bad days or not. Because on his bad days, he starts 20th and he moves up to 19th. Or he moves back to 21st. Point being, he doesn't really do anything. But he did something in Spain. So I don't think it was one of his stereotypical bad days. No, I thought um, he'd done well to come because he was, he was dang deep in the field. So for him to come back um, was good. Attention, MX2 teams. Kevin Horgamo is in need of an MX2 contract. He is shopping around at the moment. He would like everyone to know that he is shopping around for an MX2 contract. He is done with sitting in silence and trying to I let like his riding this. do the talking. He is going to be more open from now on and tell people how it is. And how it is is he needs an MX2 contract that is good. I like this. This is cool. Well done, Kevin. Good work. We want more of this. Want more I, feel of this. Like, I feel like Horgmo and Dixon could be a good matchup. Oof. Yeah, that would be good. So, yeah. Yeah, so indeed. If you're listening, Steve, uh, boom. I think Andrea Adamo is at the center of some silly season stuff. In, as in, what have I, I been he, saying? What have I, I been saying? Andrea, I think Andrea Adamo is trying to be pulled in a few directions for the future. And I think that the Austrian group are quite keen to keep him on one of the B teams just to see how he turns out. I'm telling you, I've been super impressive in this year. 
He's been very, very good. He was 21st overall in Spain. It doesn't matter. That's just a little blip. Um, he showed enough this year to show that he's going to be one for the future. Hold on. Hold on. Who are you more impressed with this year? Adamo or Hoffa? Adamo. Okay, you're drunk. Uh, I would say that I'm impressed. You are officially unqualified to be on this podcast. I, I'm only joking. I, I, the, what, hey, look, I'm, I'm just being harsh on Hoffer because he's on a KTM factory bike. Uh, everybody knows how good those bikes are. Um, but I do understand that he has, he did come back from a, you know, a big old injury and, it, you know, lost a lot, the majority of the year. It's good to see him back. Um, and, and he is doing well. He's, just think he could do a bit more. Uh, and on the silly season topic, Joel Rizzi is locked in with Honda 114 for next year. No questions there, no doubts there. He is back next year with Honda 114. So there you go. Well, that's good news for Joel. Indeed, it is. He scored points this year and he showed, uh, I think, the weekend uh, at one point he was 16th, 17th. Uh, I don't know whether he had a small tip over crash. Um, but again, yeah, Spain was one of his best races of the year. Results don't show it at all, but it was one of the best races of his year. There is that. Done with MX2? Yeah, done. Right, let's move on to Liat Ask Vice Anything. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, of an all-new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology and free bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear, including the new 2022 ranges like 3.5 ride kit, the 4.5 enduro jersey and pants. Of course, there's a 5.5 jersey and pants and a 4.5 jersey and pants as well. But you can find out more about all of those lines and what they do for you on liat.com. The 3.5 ride kit is a almost like a value combo where you buy the jersey, you buy the pants together and you get a bit more value. It's almost like the value offering. Um, and then 5.5 is obviously their premium line. There's something for everyone at liat.com. And when I say everyone, I mean even you mountain bike people out there. doesn't have to be motocross. Liat literally has you covered. Liat, ask twice anything time. Question numero uno. Oh, question numero uno is actually wizard78s saying, what's the situation with Joel Rizzi for, for next year? So there you go. He's back with 114. Braden underscore 212. Renault or Vlander into factory Yamaha? Uh, there is no talk of Vlander into factory Yamaha. It'll be Renault. Vlander isn't even, that hasn't even like piped up to 1%. That like, Vlander into factory Yamaha has never been an option. So that's, he's not in the picture. Renault will be on the 450. The third 450. At Brad Myers 22 said, what did Hurlings ask Tim in the press conference after the race? Is, is this like, Fastest 40 questions because you'll go very, very fast. I'm just trying to be efficient. It's like, oh my God, you can brief Vlanderen. Does he have any other options? Are there options on the table for him? Factory Yamaha isn't an option. I know that, knobhead. I was asking, are, does Vlanderen have options for next year? Yeah, I've told, he said that just last week to me in an interview and we discussed it on a podcast last week. He has three to four options for next year. Okay, cool. It's just a little, little uh, update for people. 
Okay, they got that update last week. Right, okay, go, go back to like smashing through them, giving Liat value for money. Jesus Christ. Okay, at Brad Myers 22 said, what did Hurlings ask Tim in a press conference after the race? Uh, I tweeted about this and then everyone got mad at me that I didn't actually say what he asked him. Uh, basically, all three riders on the podium, Hurlings, Prado, Geyser, got asked what they think about going back to the two-day format next year. Prado and Hurlings both said, no way, hate it, blah, blah, blah. Geyser said... As he said last year, so he's been consistent with this, we are a world championship. We need to be racing for two days. Look at Formula One. Look at MotoGP. They are weekend events. We are a world championship. We need to go back to two days. So Geyser said that. And then uh, in front, the in front spokesperson said, okay, is there any more questions from the media? And Hurlings went, uh, can I ask him a question? And everyone, uh, okay. So he turned to Tim and he went, how can you say that two days are better? Don't you agree that we get nothing from qualifying fastest because that is Hurling's point. Hurling's point is why are we racing on Saturday when really pole position means absolutely nothing to us? I've been saying this for years. Makes no sense. Hurling's prime example was next week in Trentino. If you qualify first or 14th, it really doesn't make a difference because you can get the whole shot from just about everywhere. So Hurling's, Hurling's point is why am I making, why would we put ourselves on the line, put risk out there 20 more times a season for no advantage. He was like, Formula One, you at least get a significant advantage. So if we have that, it would make sense for us to do qualifying, but it doesn't otherwise. And Geyser said, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. I think Geyser was a bit like uncomfortable with the situation, but he was like, yeah, I agree. I agree. So that is where the problem with the two-day format comes from. And I don't know how you fix that because obviously in front tried, or you stream at the time, tried to introduce points for qualifying for the top, I think it was... Top 10. I think it was top 5, wasn't it? Oh, it might have been, yeah, which was silly as well because it should be the top 10. Yeah, it was, no, it was the top 5 because I remember it went 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. In front, or Ustream tried to introduce extra points for qualifying and then before the season even got started, it got cancelled because the teams kicked off royally. So I don't know what the solution is there either because if they don't, they don't want that, but then they also want more value for qualifying. So what is the, like, what is the outcome? Well, the outcome is is that either you have points or a bonus um, for, for qualification on the... But there again, I suppose, that's monetary value. Either a monetary value or, um, or, or points. It's as simple as that. Or there has to be a, there has to be a reason. Uh, the riders are quite right. There has to be a reason why you're going to risk your neck um, for this. What is the point? Okay, thank you, James. Aston139 says, not really a question, more so a request that James goes to more GPs and does more interviews. Pure gold. Oh! Oh! Thanks for putting that in, Lewis. I know that must have been hard. I, don't, I won't tell you what the riders said about your interview. <laughs> it was fun. I don't want to make note. Uh, I won't tell you what the riders said about your interview. Yeah, it was fun. At Blake Maitland said, will we get a GP in Australia or South Africa in the future? I, continue, I actually asked Jed Beaton this question on Saturday randomly because if you remember, Matley last year or the year before? Year I think before. it was the year before, 2019. Yeah. There was a guy there. And a lady. Adamant. Okay, so Thank you. There was a guy there. And a lady. And a lady who was adamant that he would be running the Australian GP in 2020 in Perth, uh, a horse racing course. He, was, uh, he came up to the media and was like, what do you need in the media room? He was on the live announcing microphone saying, see you in Perth next year. 
So I said to Beaton, like, have you heard anything about that guy? Like, is that actually going to happen? And he was like, I have not heard a single thing about anything happening in Australia GP-wise. So... Not yeah, after COVID. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's not going to happen next year anyway. No, but that's... it doesn't really sound like anything's cooking for the future anyway. No, that'd be dead in the water. And I don't think anything's cooking in South Africa either because that's just never really popped up as an option recently in the last 10 years. Oh, Blake Maitland also said, will MXGP continue to go to South slash Central America in the future? Uh, South America will always be on there. There's a demand there in Argentina. And there was even talk of a GP in Chile at one point. So South America has... And Brazil, obviously, was always well attended. So South America has a need and a want for MXGP. Uh, you'd think we'd go back to North America at some point, but who knows? It makes so much sense on paper, and I'm sure to in front, it makes sense from a business point of view, but it just needs to... All the pieces of the puzzle just need to come together. So, yeah. This is an interesting one. At the Joe Wells, does Hurlings manage to get his 100th win this season? So... Five races to go. Hurlings is on 96 GP wins. If he wins out the final five rounds, he will match Everett's record of 101. If he wins four of the five, he will hit 100 GP wins. Do you think he does either? Yeah, I think he, um, I think he makes 100 this year. So you think he wins four of the remaining yeah. five GPs? But you don't think he'll win five out of five and match Everett? Um... I think he'll, I think just knowing how good Geyser is in Trentino, I think, um, I think he'll get four. What about you? Um, I could see four, but I think it'll be tough. I, I could see him, I think three, him winning three of the next five would be a very yeah, safe bet. That is safe, yeah. Um, I think that is the, sa- I think that is the, that is where, if I had to, if I had to put a number on it, that is where I would go with the number. Four is a bit of a stretch, but I could see mm-hmm. it happening. And five just seems like unrealistic because this motocross thing Shit happens. happens. At Charlie 148, who's filling the Ducali seat next year? Is it Everts in MX2 or are they just going to be a two-rider team? Can't say what is happening at Ducali, but it will be uh, one MXGP rider and two MX2. Obviously, Prado and Guadagnini are under contract, so it'll be a new MX2 rider uh, at Ducali, not two 450s. At Greeno56, will Anstey be on a Triumph? No, Triumph are not going to be racing until 2023. 2023, they will have an MXGP and an MX2 team, though. That is the intention. Anstey obviously isn't on a Hep Suzuki next year. That's been announced now. His new deal will be announced November the 1st, I believe. So look forward to that. Is that Get for excited. a particular reason why we got away? Contract. Okay. So it all works. At James Sinclair 7, do you think Tiger and Roman? We're feeling the pressure this weekend with their mistakes. James? Yeah, definitely. I think the, the whole title race, um, which is, you know... How can you say that Fevre was feeling the pressure when he went out and won the first moto quite dominantly? I think he's still feeling the pressure. I still, yeah, he's definitely feeling the pressure. Um, I'm not sure what happened, obviously, race two. I mean, maybe... He just tagged someone's back wheel on the first lap and went down. Like, that isn't feeling the pressure. That's... Oh, the first lap is quite chaotic. Yeah. Um, but he didn't come through, did he? He didn't come through like Hurlins did in the in the first one. He came back to he came back from twenty third on lap one to yeah, seventh. Yeah, not great. Whereas Hurlings went from ninth to third. Yeah. So I don't know how I don't know where you're really sitting on this scale. Just a little bit biased on Hurlins at the moment. I've got to be honest. 
you can understand my confusion at you saying that Fevre did a worse job of coming through when he made up 13 positions versus Hurling 6. Yeah, but look at the 6, what Hurling's had to go through. Yes. I rest my case. Fevre said to me that he didn't even think it would be possible to get back to 7th, so he was quite surprised. Well, I think he's underestimating himself. Okay. This podcast... I feel like this... Po- I feel like I'm in quite a good place for this podcast. And I feel like because I'm in a good place, it's really shining a light on your incompetence. <laughs> you can stick my incompetence at your ass. How about that? At t.more110, what makes a good journalist for the sport and how to get a start in the sport don't as a journalist? Don't be like Lewis, for fuck's sake. We don't need another one. What? You. So whatever Lewis tells you to do, do the opposite and you'll succeed. I think rule number one is you've got to be respectful and you've got to pay your dues and you've got to be respectful of the situation you're in. There's no shortcuts. I think that is try. I think that trumps all because, like someone said to me a couple of weeks ago, it's crazy how net like your first two years of MXGP, you basically didn't speak to anyone, but now you talk to everyone. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, and they were like, no, no, it's not a bad thing. They were like, that's why everyone talks to you now because you paid your dues. You didn't come in and like go up to everyone acting like you're like Billy Big Bollocks and can talk to, oh, talk to me, talk to me. You can't like, they were, this person was like, you paid your dues. And like, that's why everyone respects you because you kind of built yourself up. And I was like, oh, they've thought of it like that. So that is what, and that's stuck with me ever since. And that would be my advice is don't, don't come in and be like, I've got a media pass, hear me roar. Come in. Go about your business quietly. Let your work do the talking and have faith that it will take time for you to get to the point where riders will trust you with information and will actually give you the time of day. I, I, I agree with you 80%, but if you have got something to back your roar up, then why not speak? I'm not saying don't speak. I'm saying don't come in. Don't, don't day one in the media room come in like, I'm the, I'm the bollocks, look at me, hear me roar. Let your work do the talking. Pay, pay, like, do, let your work do the talking. I think that's There's most only important. only one person in that media room who's got raw and big bollocks, and that is Lewis. So, if, so seriously, if you come in that media room and your bollocks are bigger and your roar is louder, he is going to find you and he is going to hurt you. I just go on about my work. You, it's you, you go. It's you, you do not. It's you. It's you that goes into the media room and kicks up a massive roar. There's a few people this weekend that said to me, is Hurricane James coming? And I was like, nope, not this week. I just bring a little bit of fun and laughter to the media room all you did was turn up to one GP and two people asked me about Hurricane James uh, it did make me laugh when Catherine said uh, uh, if you're going to have pizza can you keep it down <laughs> yeah that was just at you because everyone she knows that the rest of MX Vice operates <laughs> she properly she knows what was going to be coming next you're an embarrassment nah, to the care. company I genuinely don't care I'd love to be able to offer, give, offer you a P45. Yeah, I'll give myself a P45 if it helps. At MX underscore news underscore now, who will be the next GP rider to come to America and who signs them? I actually hear that A250 team is looking at a young American for next year. Oh, I like this. I don't know the name. They wouldn't tell I me like the name. This. But I hear that a satellite 250 team is looking at a young not professional yet, I don't think, American for next year. So, I need to find I like out more. this. But yeah, watch, mm. watch this space, I guess. That's one thing I think which is missing in MXGP is that American presence. 
you know, just like two, two or three riders from America, I think would be really cool. Mm. Just a little shout out. At, uh, Travis Del Nicky also asked whether Hurlings would get to number 100 this season. So just sorry we didn't, sorry we asked the other guy's question, but you got your answer. So happy days. Let's see here. What else do we have? At Unpancho218, are we going to see more and more man matrix in the near future? Do the riders even like them? Look, we've played this game for a while. Everyone thinks that we're, going, we're heading in a direction where we're going to have tracks like Spain at every single round. But everyone's been worried about that since 2013, and we've maintained a pretty similar level of like, ratio. Say 25% man-made tracks and the rest natural tracks. Quite clearly, there's a conscious effort to keep it that way, and it's nothing to do with... Like, it's not like they're trying to force these man-made tracks down our throat. Uh, we went to Turkey, of course. We went to Turkey. That's the only other time this year, I think, you could say that we went to a man-made track. So clearly, this isn't a conscious effort where every year they just, there's just an extra one and you don't even notice, but somehow we've ended up with a 75% calendar of man-made tracks. So I think we're always going to keep this ratio, but as far as the riders liking them, everyone, if you put Spain, I said this last week, but if you put Spain in a category of Indonesia and tracks like that, Spain is very good. You can't compare Spain to Erne, St. Jean, Tuchantol, Matali. But if you compare it to Indonesia, it's the best of the bunch. So, if, so a lot of riders didn't like Spain. Some riders said it was okay and it's, it does the job. So there you go. At Chris United 93 other countries seem to get a couple of rounds each year, whereas the UK only gets one due to investment from promoters. If there was a chance of a second in the country, where would you have it and why? A controversial one, this is also Christian United 93, but do we have to accept other nations are more passionate about the sport, seeing the French and Spanish fans being invested over the last two rounds backs this? Or is it because we don't have consistent title contenders, whereas, whereas we seem to have generational? Uh, do you want to take either part? Yeah. Um... I know that uh, Gareth Hockey, he had conversations about having uh, promoting an MXGP round. Um, so that I think, I don't think there's been many other people apart from Steve Dixon and Gareth I've heard of, have gone to in front about hosting a round. Well, Steve Dixon almost ran another British GP this year at Fat Cat. So we almost, that would have been, that was almost a second venue for a British GP. Same promoter, but we almost had a second venue for a British GP. Um, and also Guy Martin seems to have a motocross track now and his goal is to run a British GP. So, Fallsway? Fallsway Motor Park, yeah. Yeah, so his goal seems to be run to a British GP. So there are options out there, but also, I don't think many people know this, in front have, it's not like we run a 20-round MXGP series and those are the 20 people who want to run a GP. There is actually a waiting list of like seven or eight promoters who want to run a GP as soon as they can. So it's not like you go, yeah, I want to run a GP. And they go, sweet, we'll, we'll put you in. There's actually a bit of a waiting list to run a GP. It's not like, you get what I mean? It's not like a supply and demand thing. There's actually, running a GP is something that a lot of people want to do and not everyone who wants to is actually doing at the moment. Not just Britain, I'm talking worldwide. Well, I've learned something today. How, did you not know that? No. Oh. There we go. Oh, I'm happy that I could make you a little less incompetent. No, thank you. Uh, and to the question about uh, French and Spa uh, Spanish fans being more passionate, you look at 2012 when Tommy was in the title fight and he won Matley, and that was incredible. The crowd was passionate and it was very lively and it was very exciting. So I think a lot of it does come down to whether you have a race win slash title contender which Britain doesn't normally have very often. 
I think that comes down to it because obviously if there's a, if, if there's a British rider fighting for a win, the British fans are going to cheer a lot louder than if a British rider is fighting for seventh. That's just obvious. So that's where I think that's where it comes from. Um, I know that the Spanish promoters were very concerned when Prado crashed in Tuchentol because they thought that if he couldn't race in Spain, they were like, well, we're not going to sell another ticket now. So a lot of it does come down to whether or not, yeah, whether or not there is a rider of said nationality at the front. For instance, we could have a Slovenian GP right now and it, the place would be packed. In 10 years, if we have a Slovenian GP, probably wouldn't be. So, yeah, there you go. At CR Dory, I've heard the great David Villeman talk about this stateside, but do you believe that modern riders complain about one-line tracks because they are taught to ride fast instead of how to race? Do four strokes help everyone do the same thing and hard to find a different line that works? Interesting question. Mm, very. Do you want to go? No. <laughs> do you want to go? Thank you for... I'd like to thank you for being on this podcast. Do you want to go? Yeah, um, four-stroke thing, definitely. Especially Supercross in America, because obviously on two strokes, like it was a lot more hit and miss whether you could do said section or the triple or whatever. And I think so in, I think so in motocross as well, but less so. And I do think there is something to be said for riding fast versus racing, because you can see a lot of times like Hurling's racecraft really shines through. And you can see the same with a lot of current guys. So do I think it's a factor? Yes. Do I think that the tracks this year have been especially one-lined? Yes. So I don't think, that, I don't think you can put fully, fully blame on that, but I think it is, a, it is worth considering and it is a factor, but also there is no secret that tracks this year have been quite one-lined. So a bit of both. At DiveMX, what do you think needs to be done to help GB get more younger riders over to the EMX series? Quite clearly, that's where riders need to be to make the progression into MXGP, but we have hardly any, if no riders, racing it. Seems that Bobby Bruce is GB's only hope for the future at the moment. I'll let you go, James, but just before, I heard that Bobby Bruce has a deal with Honda for next year where he will be placed in a Honda Europe team to do EMX 250. Don't know what team, but apparently that's a thing. Just a rumor I heard at the weekend. However, Bobby Bruce is older than you would think. I think he's 17 or 18. I think he's 35. So, not to take anything away, but he technically shouldn't be in EMX 125 right now. If that's true. I don't actually know how old he is, but that's uh, I think, a few people. A few I think he's now. 18. Yeah, so... So just, I think that's something worth bearing in mind. Anyway, James, to the, to the question? Um, yeah, I think... Um, the problem is, is there's lots of individual costs for um, five or six riders going from the UK over to... Um, to Europe for the EMX 250 and 125 rounds. I don't know why um, uh, a few riders uh, and their parents who want to ride and, and participate in 125 and 250 to cut down costs. I don't know why they just don't club together and um, look to get in sort of one, one type of transport to go over with the bikes in, in the, the, the kit and equipment and, and fly out to the ranks and then sort of, you know, just hire a truck or whatever and get someone to drive it and, that would cut a cost massively. And I think if you've got six or seven people all to do that and all chip in, I think um, more kids could experience European racing because I think we all understand that if you're going to be, if you want to improve and if you want to be somewhere, EMX series is definitely um, the way to go. Nice one. 
Final question on Liat Ask Vice Anything. Check out the 2022 range from Liat at liat.com now. It's from Sean Snow. Any silly season rumors for Wilson Todd? Uh, little known fact, Wilson Todd has to go up to a 450 next year. I think we talked about this on last year, last week's show. I can't remember, yeah. but either way, little little known fact, yeah, he's got to go up. So, um, I think, yeah. I think he's got an offer in, a, in, in Australia. Yeah, I'd bet that that's where he goes because obviously he's not going to be above Beaton, Watson, Vlanderin on and even Borromay or anyone like that on the hit on the uh, shortlist for MXGP teams in 2022. So if he does get a deal in MXGP, you'd think it would be on a pretty um, ropey program. So yeah, I can't really see how what his future in MXGP would look like. But anyway, thank you everyone for the questions this week. That's not all of them. Sorry if we didn't get to your question. Deeply am. It's not a personal thing. It's not anything other than there are a lot of questions and I've just got to randomly pick random ones. So I try and make sure that everyone gets their shot. Like if you were left out last week, I tried to put you in this week. But you know, there you go. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology and mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology and free bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear, including the 2022 range, four different lines of gear, two all-new at liat.com. And of course, we would like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition for their support of the MX Vice Show podcast. This is episode 86. That's part two. We'll be back in five minutes with part three. See you in a bit. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at Evenstrokes.com. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke world championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Instagram. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to the final part of the MX Vice Show, episode 86. We have wrapped up the MXGP of Spain best we can. I feel like you might have learned something on this episode of the podcast, so I'd like to say I hope so. (laughs) And also I'd like to apologize for last week's. Obviously I was very ill, struggling with my voice, so maybe that wasn't the best, but hopefully we've more than made up for it this week with episode 86 and plenty of insight from the MXGP of Spain. So, thanks for listening. Sorry about last week. Hope this week's been better. This is the final part of the MX Vice Show. And, as always, the final part is presented by Prox Racing Parts. 
who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. The message is quite simple. If you're not factory, and let's be honest, 99% of you listening to this are not, and you want to be factory, you need to choose Prox. They've got just about everything you could want for your bike, no matter matter whether that is a YZ85 or a CRF450R or an RMZ250. Just about anything that you could need for your bike is available on Prox. There's a parts finder on Prox, pro-x.com, where you can put in your bike model, your year, and it will come up with a catalog of products that are available for your machine. And uh, I can believe that you would be surprised by the variety of options on pro-x.com. So head over there, have a little look, and there you go. You've just found your new supplier for many, many, many different parts to your bike. Cost-effective too. Thanks to Prox for supporting this podcast. And if you could do me a favor, please head over to at Prox Racing Parts on Instagram and just hit the follow button. Do me a favor. Thank you very much. How are you going, James? Yep, good. How are you, Lewis? Yeah, all right. It's uh, you're definitely it's definitely an improvement from uh, uh, last week where you. Well, were... to be honest with you, after the podcast last week, I thought to myself, ah, oh, I really shouldn't. I probably wasn't well enough to do the podcast. I probably shouldn't have done it, but I just felt like we had to, so I just did it. There we go. Oh. So, sorry. That's fine. It's fine. Sorry. It's fine. It's fine. Sorry. It's fine. What do you have for me, Planet Moto bombshell wise? Uh, I, uh, so, uh, I did have a look. Could you please not speak to other people whilst on the podcast? I did, um, I did have a look at results and there was no one which really sort of popped out. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like trying to put a positive spin on some of these, but there's not, no, 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 no. Can't think of anything. What have you got? I think I haven't hit that button in a long time. Which is, there's a good reason for that. I just realized, I don't know why I forgot to hit it all these weeks. It's many GPs in a row. It's really catching up to me. Thank you for that, James. That was exciting. I heard that La Capelle have signed a three-year contract to continue doing MXGP rounds. Wow. Well, that's the bombshell. That's a bombshell for me, certainly. I, I think that's super cool. I don't know. I don't, I've not heard it from any... Just, just a rumor going around. If, if true, then I don't know. I'll pack a picnic next time if I want food. No, I think, honestly, I know that... And binoculars. I know that you. it was negative because you haven't got all the... And a hotspot. ...home comforts that you like, and obviously the Wi-Fi... I didn't have food, Wi-Fi, oh, or God's visibility. Sake. Well, sometimes it's not all about you. I'm here to talk about my experience, and my experience was that cluster. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, for anybody else who listens to this podcast, please don't let Lewis um, sway you on La Capelle Marivelle because it was a fantastic track. It was a fantastic weekend. Uh, it's really good. Uh, just got to be a little bit or- organized, which um, Lewis isn't. 
So I have um, a laugh. <laughs> I literally filled out your paperwork. I signed a document with your signature and still couldn't get your food. So because you are that incompetent that rather than send the document to you that you need to go abroad with COVID, I will. I thought you know what? It's just easier if I do his signature. So still can't organize your food. You are incompetent in every walk of life. This podcast travel. You're a mess. Have you got a mirror nearby? Uh, I think the word I'm coming f- f- to my mind is prick. Have you got a mirror nearby? Uh, no. Oh, well, when you do, I would take a long look in it if I was you. Mm. Okay. Thanks for that insight, prick. <laughs> anyway, what we're talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And it, it just, you know, I have highs and lows on this podcast. <laughs> and I'm just left today thinking, why do I even bother? I think actually the lowest point on this podcast was when you thought Hoffa rode a Kawasaki. <laughs> that was, they both begin with K and uh, I just got Kawasaki on my mind. So, um, why have you got Kawasaki on your mind? Because I've always got Kawasaki on my mind. It's Kawasaki. Is, I'm missing, I'm sorry, you're gonna, I'm going to need more information. But I ride Kawasaki's. I love Kawasaki. So Kawasaki, when I think of K, Kawasaki. It's not that hard to fathom. If you were a rider, yep. and I told you you could have the second seat on Ice One Kawasaki next year, alongside Fevra, yeah. um, and I think that comes with Ice One, mm-hmm. or you could have the third seat on Factory Yamaha and everything that comes with Wilvo. So both teams have phenomenal workshops, the two best workshops in the sport are in MXGP. Now you're asking me to choose between Louis and Antti, and I like both. Both factory teams, uh, so both good equipment. What what way would you go? Damn. Yeah, but if I say this, then both of them are going to be like, Antti be like, geez, I heard on the podcast you don't like me. And then Louis... Add add impressions down as a thing. And then Louis would just be exactly the same. So... um, I don't know. Would you rather I th- not answer? No, no. I think it would be. I think either experience would be uh, pretty cool. But um, do I get to ride in a Formula One car? Formula One car with Kimi Raikkonen? No. What are you gonna do? Sit on his lap? Do I go to Finland to visit Kimi Raikkonen and go out in his rally car? No. Hmm. Do I get a rub down by Louis Vosters in my bicycle shorts? Just a warning, James. We're getting a bit bored now. Okay. Um, uh, um, well, thanks for that, James. I tell you <laughs> what, you. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... Um, Ante. And the reason I'm going with Ante is because I do like his new truck. So, um... Someone else is going to have one of those trucks next year, but I can't for the life of me remember who it was. It's got to be Honda. No. no. Yeah, because Someone... Garibaldi selling, is selling a truck. Did you not see that? <sighs> no, I don't think it was. Someone told me, oh, so-and-so is going to have a truck like that next year, and I can't for the life of me even have a guess as to who it was. Who... F- Ah, oh, no, it's gone. I can't remember, but someone, someone. I bet it's, I bet it's Honda, 100%. Can't remember who. Actually, no, I think I do remember. It's Honda. 
No, it wasn't. It's Honda. No, I, I, I remember. I, it wasn't Honda. Well, unless Honda are as well, but it wasn't. Who, who is it then? I just remember I got told in confidentiality. Oh, here we go. Confidential. I forgot. Confidentiality. I'm Lewis. I know everything. Everybody knows. No, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a oh, dumb I thing to have. Po- because for two years, I, I kept quiet and I built it all up. And then now all, everybody respects me because I'm Lewis Big Bollocks Phillips. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh my God. Oh. Who the hell cares? Exactly. Who a a, cares? A bit of a while since I hit buttons, so I accidentally hit two at once. Anyway, so you would take anti, yeah? Yeah. That is your long-winded Planimoto bombshell of the week. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. All you've got to do is head to planetmoto.co, head to Planet Moto Holidays on social media, and you will see details on the packages available, whether that's a ride holiday or the Planet Moto Academy, right now. Head over there. You'll see up-to-date information on what's available. And then, yeah, away you go. Things are flat out at Planet Moto Holidays now. Uh, obviously, it's that time of year, and also restrictions have eased up quite a lot. So there is a group at the Planet Moto Holidays house right now having the time of their life. There is space, as far as I know, towards the end of November. But after that, you're looking at March 2022. So if you're desperate to go to Spain, which why wouldn't you be, head to Planet Motor Holidays now and get yourself over there. So James, anything else to add? Nope, I'm done. You've done my head in a day, so I'm ready to move on. Have I? Yes. Why? Just been an ass. Anything you'd like to share on the podcast? No, you're a prick. I don't think I've done anything wrong to you today. I think we've had quite a nice podcast. You've just been mean to me. Have I? Yeah, a lot. It's always the same. When you're feeling good, all you've got to do is you've got all the energy in the world to be mean to me. I've just... I'll tell you what. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get Mitch Evans' mum, Kelly, to listen to the podcast, and she's going to be the adjudicator to see how, how on a scale of 10, 10 being a C-U-N-T, uh, of meanness. I'm sorry if I've come across like that. No, it's just horrible. I'm sorry if you're hurt. Did you actually say one nice thing about me today? Actually, I did. What? Said hello. Exactly. I asked how you were doing at the start. It's, it, my mum always told me, and my <laughs> gran, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything. The thing is, the only time I actually took the piss out of you was when I said you were incompetent. And the only reason I said that was in retaliation to you telling me, telling everyone that I am unorganised. Which, hello, pot, kettle. I didn't actually realise <laughs> that you'd get so defensive. Pot kettle. Do you realize you get so defensive? Well, words hurt. And you've, you've just told me how words hurt. So think about how I felt when she was on the other foot. It's a little bit different saying unorganized about packing your packed lunch to bloody uh, calling someone incompetent. <laughs> well, well, what do you, well, <laughs> that's, how, that's how uncomfortable you made me feel. It just hurts. After everything I've done over the years, just hurts. Are you coming to a Trentino? I'm not if you're there. <laughs> <laughs> because I remember you saying you were planning to come to one Trentino. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, sort it. My um, wife's paid for tickets for London Grammar. Uh, they're performing. London what? Exactly. So you have no idea who they are. So um, they're, a, they're a band. Uh, they, I thought you were. I thought you were talking about a school. No, they perform music and and they're they're in concert. So I'm going to go and see those guys. I think which is on the Thursday. I think 28th. Have you booked this time off work? Uh, yeah, because I haven't actually seen the official email asking for the time yeah. off work. 
yes, the, it was sent to you a week ago, but obviously you wouldn't have seen it because you're unorganized. Um, That's a lie. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to figure out what one I can get to. Well, that is a Thursday in the middle of Trentino week. Uh, if it's the 28th, then yeah. Sounds like you're quite unorganized. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I, I do intend to get to one Trentino, so I'll be I'll be there for one. Well, then it sounds like this weekend is your perfect opportunity. Uh, this weekend's not a good weekend. <laughs> so maybe Wednesday, and then you can fly back Thursday morning. Um, I don't think I'll be allowed to do that. <laughs> okay, just in case. Maybe just in case I don't end up coming back. Maybe then the Friday after your your private school visit. You could then fly out for the final Trentino. Well, uh, there's the Trentino, which is the 31st, isn't it? Yeah, that's the last one. Yeah, so I think I might try and get to that one. So that's the most likely. Yeah, that's the most likely. But if not, you've always got Mantua. Uh, yeah, but I want to try and get to Trentino because there are a few people that would like to meet. So um, they'll be at Trentino. They'll be at Mantua, though, won't they? No, they kind of they're going to be at Trentino. That's weird. Mm-hmm. They're like an hour apart from each other. If you're going to one, you'd go to both, wouldn't you? Well, they've said, will you be in Trentino as we'd like to speak? So, And uh, if I take employee evaluations very, very seriously. So this is just feedback about you, so I definitely need to make the effort. I'm not sure how that's relevant. What? Hey? What? I don't know. I'm not sure how employee evaluations come into you needing to go to Trentino. Well, I've got to go and speak to some clients, and um, they're going to give me feedback about you. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. So... There's a lot of feedback about you this weekend. Was there? Anyway, thank you, James. No problem. Thank you, Lewis. Prick. (laughs) And thank you to Flight Racing, Comrade Muse, Hitachi KTM, fueled by Milwaukee, using the 2022 gear and the Fly Racing Formula helmet in their racing activities across the world. Liat, check out their 2022 line on liat.com and also uh, check out FNH Racing in the uh, Liat gear and Liat boots. Planet Motor Holidays, there are options to get to Spain quite quickly, but don't hang around. Head to planetmotor.co to find out more. Prox Racing Parts, if you're not factory and you want to be factory, head to pro-x.com and also find out about the long list of products available for your bike. Technical Touch and KYB, you want factory suspension? Of course you do. Find an authorized dealer in your country and then you'll be sorted right out. Even Strokes, James would like you to buy something from Even Strokes. James! Yes, Lewis. How did your MX manager team do at the weekend? We decided not to play. <laughs> would this come under? Would this be filed under unorganized? Hey, uh, on that note, um, uh, shout out to I believe it's Carol Ward, who's Alan Ward's wife, and uh, she won MX manager this week. Beat everyone. Mm. So congrats. So would, so would you say that you not playing MX manager again would make you unorganized or incompetent? I really want to end this podcast now, please. <laughs> okay. M- MXGP TV, still five races to go. Uh, a lot of racing coming up. Jesus, f- in three weeks, this thing will be done. So head to MXGP TV to get your fix before the uh, season ends. Backyard Design UK, Tommy Sell uses back- Backyard Design UK. Asterix Knee Braces, Tim Geyser uses Asterix Knee Braces and Armour Nutrition. Comrade Muse. Adam Cincerello, Chad Reed, Nick Way, Cameron McAdoo, use Armour Nutrition. That is the final part of the MX Vice Show, presented by Prox Performance Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer 
exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Any final thoughts, James? Yes. Um, you're a prick. Okay. My final thought is I don't know what... I can't remember what we did with this podcast in triple header weeks. Uh, we tried to do a podcast on the... Uh, I believe it was Thursday. Yeah, I believe so too, but that's not going to work. <laughs> so I think it's just carry on as we were. What do you mean as we were? As we were, which is just once a week. Oh, On a Tuesday. Um, we'll figure it out next week. Uh, JT's going to be in Trentino. So All three or just one? Just one, I believe now. So maybe I can do something with him if you're not available, or maybe he can join us both. We'll figure something out. Stay tuned to MX Vice. We'll give you updates about when the next podcast will be out. There will be one next week. Just not sure at what time. This has been episode 86. Thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you for following MX Vice. Thank you for visiting MX Vice. Thank you for subscribing to MX Vice. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll be back next week with episode 87. The season's almost done. Lots of racing to go though. So we'll be back with more insight. And hey, we may even have news on who gets the second Kawasaki seat next week because everyone's been told that by the end of Arco a decision will be made Boom. we'll be back next week thank you for listening to episode 86 thank you to James Burfield for hanging in there I'm Lewis Phillips your host see you next week bye you are listening to the MX Vice show Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit the tracks like Red Sun as soon as possible, Visit planetmoto.co for more information. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke world championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green-label Racing Caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Instagram. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.